0: we will continue the for the eleventh letter of the holy Letters of the Balatanya, which is known as La'Skil Chabina, to enlighten you with understanding. We are going on a deep, fascinating journey into Enlightenment, to have complete clarity as to my purpose, as to my mission on this world. And we're explaining that ultimately speaking, the clarity that a person gets about what life is must start in the mind it must start the person must recognize his purpose his mission the truth of his life and he must recognize it with his mind and we are explaining that the balatanya starts to parak with the word which means to enlighten with understanding, which essentially means that your mind must become crystal clear, which we also explained means that you must become empty. Your mind has to be empty. Most people's mind are not empty. Right, it's like you have, an app, you have a smartphone, or you have a computer. And your computer was left on the whole entire night. Or the computer was left on for 20 days. And then you come to your computer and you start to try to use it, to use the browser, to use an application. And everything is slow and it's making noise. Because it's being used out, because it's full, full, its memory is full, because everything is full. The computer is not functioning properly. And that requires two, a process that has two elements. The first element is the shutting down, the emptying, the emptying of the computer, the emptying of its applications, of its, of its stagnation, of its... The computer is clogged. You have to empty it, you have to shut it down, and then you have to refill it with the proper applications. And the better the applications, the better the programs, the much more efficient, the much more productive the computer will be. And we are explaining that this is a metaphor for the mind. Ultimately speaking, the purpose of your life you could only discover originally in your mind. Ultimately, the computer itself is not the purpose. It's what you can do with the computer that's the purpose. Mm -hmm. The computer itself, but if the computer is not working, if the computer is slow, or if it's stressed, or if it's sluggish, or if the computer has a virus, and has a mind of its own, it's going on its own. If you cannot take control over the computer, if the computer is full, how could you upload a program to the computer to do what you're trying to do if there's a virus that takes over your computer or if there's a virus that takes over the system and the whole entire system is not working and it's extremely important to meditate on this and to see this with clarity because this is what he's coming to tell a person the person goes through life tremendous amount of years and they have developed their own programs, their own systems but most of these programs and systems are product of viruses, they're complete confusion of to what life is and a person has so many years of growing up as a child and going through trauma Everybody has psychological trauma, psychological suffering, psychological pain. But the greatest pain of all is the pain of identifying with your suffering, identifying with your psychological trauma, identifying with, the, with what you went through in life and assuming that this is life. Because a person who looks at his computer and doesn't know he can empty his computer of all the stagnation, all the clog, all all, the, all of it being clogged, he doesn't know that he can empty it. A person who doesn't know that he must empty the computer and then must upload new programs and better programs, a person who doesn't know that will live his whole entire life in a state of virus, in a state of stagnation, a state of being clogged. So the Balatanya with the simen is really doing a dual job, he's giving you two very important messages. The first message is that you can only become enlightened in your mind. And in order to become enlightened with your mind, you have to realize why you're not enlightened. And the reason why you're not enlightened is because your mind and heart are dull, they're full, they're broken, they're full of viruses. You must empty yourself entirely. You must empty your mind. You must take everything that you think you know and drop it. And be open to learning something new. And once you empty yourself of all your knowledge, then what is the true knowledge? And then the al says, the true knowledge is That the path to having the light of God dwell in you is not by being attached to physicality. Not by having selfish fulfillments of my children, my wealth, my sensual pleasures. But that's the only thing I know, the person says. That's the only thing I know. Says, but there's something greater than what you know which is that the light of God should dwell within you it should flow through you the light of life should flow through you and you're not I cannot describe that to you that's incomprehensible, it's undescribable. it's something that you will never be able to hold it it will be able to hold you it will flow through you you'll have glimmers of it And once you know what that is even for one moment, you will crave that. And then you will know it more and more. But you will never be able to hold on to it. You will never be able to make a god out of it. You will never be able to make an idol out of it. You will never be able to make a molten image of it. You will never be able to to take a picture of it. You cannot describe that. What is the way to happiness? Happiness is the way. There's no way to happiness. What is the path? To Yishkun Eid Hashem. Yishkun Eid Hashem is the path. That is the path. That is life. That the light of God should dwell within you. That you should be aware of the miracle of life, which is the miracle of goodness, which goodness and life and, and bliss are all the same thing. They're all different words that are describing something that's indescribable. Meaning that the word is not the thing. Bliss, the word bliss has nothing to do with bliss. The word Aden has nothing to do with Aden. So if you look at a piece of paper, if you look at this simon and you think you see then you think, I know this parak already, you know words. Even if you're imagining the words, the words itself, the word bliss, can describe to you what means bliss. Can you, could you use that word to hold on to bliss? Bliss is an experience. If you don't try it, if you don't go through it, if it doesn't take you over, if, you don't, if bliss is not flowing through your body right now, then you have then you're trapped in some words, in some, in some letters. If the Balatanya's words that he's saying over here, these words bliss, if he's saying he's talking about living a life of bliss, of having bliss, if you didn't even experience that one time, you're still trapped. Bliss is an experience. The word is just the beginning of the guide of the sign of the place on the map where you're supposed to be going to. And imagine you're driving to Florida and you arrive in Florida and you say, I'm here in Florida. How do I know? Because it says the sign on the... You, Welcome to Florida. And you stand by the sign for the, rest of the entire, for the rest of the entire trip. It's the most insane thing if you think about that. But most people, when they learn something, this is the way they learn. They learn, I arrived at Florida. I arrived at Florida. I I was in Florida. And you take a picture of the sign that says, welcome to Florida. The the sign post that says Florida has nothing to do with Florida. So if you don't go further than the sign, if you don't enter Florida, you're never going to experience Florida. And this is what the Balatani is saying over here. These words that he's describing are words that are a description of indescribable things. Something that's incomprehensible. Yishkon, presence, dwelling. It's an indescribable concept. You can only experience it. The higher good, something you cannot describe. The light of God, something you could describe. Enlightenment, something you could describe. These are things that are indescribable, they're incomprehensible. But a person who is completely trapped in his mind, he's completely trapped in his heart. He's never emptied himself of all of his perspective of what life is. A person who hasn't emptied himself of that. How can he begin to learn about Yishkun er HaRashem, that the light of God should dwell within him? How can he begin to learn what that looks like? If he's so convinced that the purpose is one minute in time, if he's so convinced that the purpose of his life is one tiny moment of pleasure, which means in a mental abstraction, of one moment of bliss, Which means my ego living off my one moment of bliss. Which bliss is life. So therefore we're going very deep into times that we experience this in our life. To be able to relate to what he's saying over here. And if we could go very deep into this, then hopefully we could have a glimpse of it. And when we have a glimpse of it, we could watch how the ego gets eliminated. How The ego in the face of that type of life, in the face of that, the ego will disappear. But in order to do that we have to understand what is the ego. The ego is an amplified sense of self. The ego is a form of being asleep. A metaphor for the ego is what happens to me every single night when I sleep. When I sleep, I lay in my bed. And my heart, my feet, and my head are all on the same level. When I stand up, when I'm awake, there's, everything is in order. My mind is in order, my heart is in order, my liver is in order, everything is in order. Everything has its levels. And man is all of those things together. But when he's lying down in bed, everything is equal. Everything becomes confused. My heart, my mind, and my feet are all on the same level. And that's when the dreaming starts and the nonsensical activity start. And a person is hovering. He's hovering between life and death because his mind is operating at a few percent, compared to the way his mind operates when he's awake. And his heart is operating at a few percent, compared to the way his heart is operating when he's awake. Because a person, when they're awake, the heart is, is feeling. The heart is alive. When a person is awake, the mind is, is, is moving. It's, 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 it's processing. When a person is asleep, the mind is asleep. The mind is slowed down and the mind is thinking nonsensical things and a person's dreaming so because of the state of sleep the mind and the heart take on a life of their own which is a metaphor for a virus it's a metaphor for its own program that's running The mind and the heart. There's a a different program that happens when a person's asleep. Because there's such limited energy. When a person is asleep, because a person is going into restoration mode, he's going into restoring, to re-energizing, recalibrating. His mind has very tiny energy and his heart has very tiny energy and everything's on the same level, so everything gets confused. And nobody would ever want to be in a state of being asleep their whole entire life. Because as much as a person loves sleep, and even if a person's lazy, and they don't want to get up in the morning, (coughs) which is part of the dysfunction of not being enlightened, at some point they want to get awake. They want to become more awake than being asleep. Because when you're awake, you're in touch with the core of who you are. The more awake you are, the, the more you obliterate sleep. The more you obliterate sleep, the more your soul is functioning through your brain. So as the question is, is your soul trapped in your brain? Is your soul trapped in your heart? Which means that there's limited revelation of your soul, limited use of the energy that's in your soul, energy in your mind, energy in your heart. And if there's limit, it means that your mind takes on a life of its own? Or your heart takes on a life of its own? Which is what happens when you're asleep? And there's complete confusion? Because there's no order? Because your mind and your heart and your feet are in the same level? Or is there complete order? Which means, complete order means that the core of who you are, which is not your mind, and not your heart, which is the soul, which is your khayla karikah, is in complete control. So the more awake you come, you take more caffeine, the more awake you are, the better the sleep you have, the greater the experience you have, the more awake you come. And the more awake you come, the more your sense of sleep, which is the sense of self, the sense of its of separate identity, disappears. And if you could become truly awake, if you could see death in front of your eyes, If you see death in front of your eyes, if there's a sense of real suffering, that wakes up a person to the point that everything else is obliterated. And at that minute, at that question, at that that time, the question that a person would have is not is what's the purpose of this? Because a person makes an idol, he makes an idol of this moment right now only if he's asleep. Because sleep, pain, suffering, death, attachment, they're all from the left side. They're all a part of stopping. They're all a part of stopping life which what is. So ultimately speaking, the purpose of life is to be fully awake, to be fully aware, to be fully aware of God. And when you discover that, in the face of that, everything else is obliterated. Everything else disappears. And the Balatani is going to go on to explain something fascinating now. Which, which when a person fully discovers this, it instantly transforms a person's marriage. It instantly transforms a person's life. It's the mere knowledge that sets the person free. Because the Balatani is going to come and explain that there's something called the Erev Rav. <clears throat> and the Erev Rav was the mixed multitude. It was the people that left Mitzrayim, that wanted to join the Jewish people. And what he's explaining in this parable is that that is the metaphor, that is the story of your own ego. You grew up in your parents' house, and you discovered your own self, and you tried desperately to hold on to yourself, and you went through classes, and there was peer pressure, and it was all this suffering. And the whole entire time, you're growing, but you're also yourself is growing, because you're not in touch, you weren't fully mature. So you have a sense of self, first you think about matchbox cars, then you think about remote control cars, then you think about big cars. As your mind is growing, as you're maturing, your sense of what you want is growing. And all along it's being hurt. And all of this is a metaphor to Yitzhak Mitzrayim, to living the life of seeing the Egyptians all around you. Living a whole entire life of seeing everybody going through many grades and class and school, trying to create a sense of self. And then one day your bar mitzvah, your bas mitzvah, or one day right before your marriage you discover that I'm not who I thought I was. I'm not my ego. Life is much more than just pursuing matchbox cars or remote control cars or big cars. Life is much more deeper than that. And it's a very big shock to the system. And there's something called the Eid the Ed of Rav also wants to leave Mitzrayim. And they hear about this awesome revelation that's going to happen, this awesome God who's going to take the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. And so the Ed of Rab, these people that were not Jewish, they join but for selfish reasons, because they want to preserve their own identity, they want to hold on. And the Ed of Rav in my own life is my traumas, my pains, my self-deceptions. And if I am riddled with trauma and I show up to my chuppah, then the whole entire wedding, the materiality of the wedding is my purpose. But the wedding itself, the wedding, the wedge, the attachment that I'm having to my spouse, the moment when I close my eyes and I will discover that me and my spouse are one, discover it in the most intimate level, in the level of the soul. I'm not there because I'm waiting for after the chuppah. I'm waiting for afterwards, for one moment in time. Because I'm bringing all this trauma with me. And my trauma is what dictates my life. Trauma comes from the word pain. Pain is, is is the separation, is the one moment in time. So I have this one moment in time, either that I was triggered or I'm just creating a sense of self. And I bring that sense of self now to the wedding. And I'm looking at my spouse... And subconsciously, I'm waiting for them to fulfill me. Because I've developed this sense of self all this time. When little do I know, the whole reason I have a sense of self is so I can know you. So I can give myself to you. So I can transcend myself and fully know you and put myself in your shoes. So the moment you're going to scream at me about something that I never did, I will ask the question... Wow, what you must be going through to be able to say this. And how can I fully understand you? To the point that I transmute all this pain. To the point that, my, my, that, that it's the diminishment of my ego right now that allows me to see you. And I'm non-reactive at all. Because that type of state is a godlike state. It's doyman It's talim mustav It's something beyond being human. It's to fully put myself in another person's shoes. But if I'm so full of my Eid of Rav, if I'm so full of... that I'm going out of Mitzrayim also, then I'm going to be transcending myself. But really myself wants to make an ego out of that also. Meaning, meaning my, I'm still asleep, even while I'm at my chuppah. Then how could I see the infinity of another human being? How, if my mind is not empty of all my traumas, of all my pains, of all my attachments, of all my deceptions of what life is, if my heart is not empty of all of that, how can I know true love, unattached love? How can I know bliss? How could I be sensitive? How could I be so vibrant? How could I be alive at this moment if I'm hoping for one moment in time? If I'm living with my trauma? The Heir, the Heir of Love also wanted the revelation of Ma'am Torah, but they wanted it for themselves because they thought that they were going to get fulfilled. They left it because they didn't want to die. So it's a whole wedding, all for myself. I'm married, all for myself. So what is my Sheva brachah going to look like? What's my life going to look like? Money or no money is the same thing, I'm going to be highly reactive. But if I know my sense of self is just to discover you, which is the essence of the chuppah, which that itself is life. There's no purpose in that. That is the purpose. Where I'm not looking for one moment of happiness, because happiness is the way. Everything in life is happy. Everything, if you're alive, everything is joy. And this is what he's about to start to explain. That if you live your life where you're waiting for someone to fulfill you, you're waiting for your spouse to do for you, then you're still tied with the of Rav. Still, you still haven't been set free from the immaturities. You still haven't been set free. You haven't understood the true purpose of self. The purpose of self is to discover something beyond yourself. To use the self to know God. To use the self to know your spouse. Not to idolize self. It's to have complete order. And when you're fully awake, there's complete order. But when you're asleep, there's no order at all. And that's why many people sleep their whole life away. So the beginning of Yishkin Uyrah Hashem is the recognition that my mind and my heart are much more powerful computers than I imagine. But it's only when the life flows through them, when they're surrendered, where they could f- fully be activated and fully be used, only when I'm not looking for one moment to hold on to it. It's only in such a space can I be so sensitive and highly in tune to people around me, to be so caring, but if I'm busy trying to accumulate one moment a time or all my money for one moment in time, then I'm completely trapped, I'm completely asleep. And this is the beginning of what he's trying to tell you, that ultimately the purpose of life is to discover the Ebership, discover God. And when you discover God, that is bliss, that is Yishkun that's infinity. And then all of your organs operate on an infinity way. Everything in your life is miraculous. So if you find yourself all the time seeing Hashem and miracles happening in whatever you're doing, that's the beginning of Yishkun HaRashem. But if you're deeply trapped, deeply complaining, deeply reactive, deeply suffering, then you have to know then you're attached and loyzu aderech that Yishkan HaRashem.